0: So normally, I would start the podcast by welcoming everyone to the CrossFit Bath Podcast. But seeing as today, I am joined by arguably the most uh, famous voice (laughs) in in CrossFit. Uh, I'm wondering if perhaps he could just give us a hello, everybody, and welcome to the CrossFit Bath Podcast, just to introduce it today.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CrossFit Bath Podcast.
0: Oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? It's like music to your ears. It's just... (laughs) mm -hmm. That's so, no better way to bring in the holidays uh, so if if you don't know that voice, that is uh, Sean Woodland, who's joining me today together with his partner in crime, Tommy Marquez, uh, from the Talking Elite Fitness podcast or various games broadcasts and regionals broadcasts in the past and sanctioned events and you know they're all over the place you You, you must know who they are. <laughs> Now, guys, not only that, I know you also like to throw down your very seasoned athletes. You know how important it is to warm up before any strenuous activity, podcasting being one of the most strenuous. So before <laughs> we before we start talking CrossFit, I have a few warm-up questions for you just to, All right. just to kind of get you in the mood. Grease the groove. Okay. First question I have to ask everyone is peanut butter, crunchy or smooth? Oh, crunchy. 100%. Oh, uh, man. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go crunchy too. I like good. the texture. I, I was worried I was about to destroy Talking Elite Fitness there, because Sean was very <laughs> quick. When I was a kid,
1: nothing but smooth. But yeah. when I got older, give me the Crunchy.
0: Yeah. Yep. I tell you what, Crunchy has made a huge resurgence in the last couple of episodes, uh, so I'm really happy really? about that. So y- you guys are very good friends with the Buttery Bros, who are obviously associated with butter, but also pancakes. What food would you like to be associated with Talking Elite Fitness?
1: <laughs> oh that's a good question
2: could we i mean i don't want to go waffles so i feel like that's
0: in the same <laughs> yeah yeah that, i feel like that's a shot across big
1: the fan
2: of waffles so they go breakfast so maybe we go something like savory up up at the at like dinner time all right steak uh, i was gonna say steak or like a really nice juicy hamburger that's like, it yeah there you go
0: so we go for a juicy hamburger because i saw yep. sean's eyes light up when you said <laughs> that. that was a good one juicy hamburger <laughs> So, listening to your podcast, one of the the sound bites you particularly like to use comes from one of the greatest sporting movies of all time. That is, of course, Dodgeball. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, my question is: if you were in a partner wad with White Goodman, what would you <laughs> want to be in that wad?
1: Oh, um, let's see. He's a he's a small guy, so I'm gonna do a lot of handstand pushups. Yeah, a lot of body weight stuff,
2: pull ups, handstand pushups, um hmm so in the movie uh dodgeball he's with his fitness consigliere michelle and he's doing some squats and he has the involuntary spasms you know it's quite the show so maybe if he's a smaller guy shorter range of motion some light squats because we don't want to burn him out with the heavy stuff like he did in the in the movie
0: it's a good call i mean and you you two are both taller athletes so yes you know partnering up take care of the wall balls and the rowing, yeah, and, and white can do the all can, the body weight stuff. Some Cindy type type know.
2: workout right there.
0: I, I like it, really good. Sean, I know your your wife is a, a police officer, if I'm not wrong. Yes. Uh, so my question is, who is your fa- so she's obviously your favorite real police officer. Mm-hmm. I would like to know who your favorite fictional police officer (laughs) is. i I already know this
1: so to clarify she is in law enforcement she's not a street officer she was but she is i mean she's a she's an investigator but she is in the law enforcement category but um my favorite fictional cop is judge dread oh yeah (laughs) yeah the carl Carl urban version in the movie Mm -hmm. dread Ooh, that movie is so underrated
2: i wish i'd make more of those that was that was the most recent one with uh lena hetty too right yeah Yeah, that was so good i was
0: pleasantly surprised by Mm -hmm. that I mean, you you had that answer. That was in the barrel. That was just well, Plus Anthrax is a great song about him too. So yeah, yeah. big, big judge, Final question, uh, and this I ask all first time guests to the podcast, uh, and it's always interesting when there's two people, so they can even look at each other when they answer this question. Because <laughs> uh, you guys have been in quite a number of documentaries uh, playing yourself, obviously, but when they eventually make a a movie, a biopic about the CrossFit Games. Who would you like them to cast to play you?
1: Ooh. Oh man. Um okay. Uh um the Christopher Maloney. So oh. he's the guy stabler from Law and Order. Yeah. yeah I've, yeah, I've yeah. gotten told that there's a little okay. bit of especially when I had like shorter okay. hair. Hmm. Uh him or I'm trying to think for you.
2: Let's see. I would take Mario Lopez. Ooh. Zach <laughs> I would take uh that guy does not age. I, I don't, I don't know what he could, he could still be saved by the bell right now. 100%. High yeah. yeah. He, Mario Lopez. There's also a, there was also a, an actor, um, in one of my like favorite, like high, like growing up high school football type movies, uh, Friday night lights, uh, just Jay Hernandez. I think his name is, I've been told we kind of have some resemblance at times, but, um, yeah, that, but I'd probably go Mario Lopez just because I can bank in like 20 years. He's still going to look 30.
0: So uh, <laughs> that's probably where I'd go. Now, these are really good answers. And, and I just have to interrupt at this point because on last week's episode, uh, Martin Bader was unable to answer. He said, don't worry, guys, I'm going to think about it throughout the episode and I'll let you know at the end. And then while editing the episode, I realized he never told us who was going to play him. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, everybody. If you've listened oh. to last week's episode and oh, you okay. wonder who it was, it's Leonardo Enjoy. DiCaprio there we go, so that that little bit of admin taken care of <laughs> feeling mm-hmm. uh feeling nice and warm good, I'm loose, yeah, I
2: All had right. to Google Mexican actors just in case <laughs> um I've got a couple backups in case they you, turn you it down. down, but I got uh ooh, Ricardo Montalban, man, I don't know about that, yeah, a lot of uh maybe not as as many as I thought. What about um Pedro Pascal? The guy oh, yeah, the Pedro Pascal. Yeah, I'd I do Pedro Pascal. He was also uh, in Game of Thrones. Yeah, there you go. yeah he, was, uh, he was the, the Viper. Um, I could see that. Yeah, that, that works. Good one. Although he's got some swag. Mario Lopez did
0: pop up. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> he looks good. Yep. Yeah. All right. I, I love how much thought you've given to this. I appreciate we go, that. We can go down <laughs> these rabbit holes forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so talking... CrossFit, I suppose. I suppose we should. We must. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I know I kind of know a little bit your stories already, but you know, for the sake of the listeners who don't, because you've both got kind of interesting ways in which you discovered CrossFit. So maybe we could just very kind of briefly touch on your sort of history of how you got into CrossFit in the first place. And then obviously that kind of rolled on to really taking over the majority of your life. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll go down that rabbit hole in a minute. But so how did you first find CrossFit?
2: Um so I uh, have my like my best friend from growing up he lives like directly across the highway uh from the CrossFit Ranch in Aromas. Um the way it's situated like Highway 101 major highway in California, the ranch is just like on this little turnout road and if you turned right to go into that road, you off of the highway, you would uh Get to the ranch. If you took left, a left, and crossed over the highway, it would take you to his family's property. His cousin went to high school with the Castros and lost a hundred pounds training with them wow. because basically he got the like you're going to die if you don't lose some weight type talk from his his uh, his uh, doctor. So he lost a hundred pounds, and you know he's my best friend's cousin. So my friend saw him and was like, "Whoa, what did you do?" He's like, oh, I'm doing this CrossFit stuff. You got to come try it out. It's these crazy Mexican guys that are just working out of their this ranch, this shed in, in uh, just down the road from where you're at. So I just finished college, invited me out. We went out to what what is the ranch in Aromas? And I didn't realize it. And it was just there was a small class going on, hopped in on the next one. They just, you know, decided to work. They're like, yeah, come work out with us did my first workout and was like, what is this? Cause I just got floored. I was coming off of like, you know, playing college sports. I was training every day and I thought I was in really good, sh- like the best shape of my life. And I just got worked and I'm really competitive. So that was just like, okay, how could I lose so bad at something? And what is this? Because there's something here. And I fell in love right away. i was just like, I, I showed up the next day with like my, With like a check written for like the next three months, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm I'm in, I'm you got me, and uh, it just kind of grew from there.
0: I do wonder if your choice in career. is just because you had this great story of how you found CrossFit, and you thought, "I need this to to be relevant to people," <laughs> so, so <laughs> I need to yeah. now model my life in a way that means people know who, when they ask me this question, they know who Dave Castro is, and they know the importance of the Ranch and, and what that means, and I can be like, "Yeah, I did my <laughs> first. It was my first WOD was there. Yeah, I mean, what's the problem? No big deal, right?" That's uh... yeah. It, it's funny, you know, because I, I I
2: I started and. I've I've actually never witnessed CrossFit Games in person, CrossFit Games competition at the ranch, despite it being my first box. So in 2009 was the last year it was there, and I think I went to the beach instead. <laughs> I think like had a like went to the beach and like had a bonfire and like barbecued with my friends that weekend and like skipped it. And I, I was I was pretty new then too, and and. I, since then the the games never went back in 2016. I didn't get to go. What were
1: you doing in 2016? Th-
2: they they didn't, I was left out of that. I was, I was at the, I was stayed at the venue. So I didn't get to go to the ranch oh, man. and I, and they, I actually didn't even know about the twist until they like the night before <laughs> they keep that pretty secret. and, and then this year I wasn't at it as well. So yeah, it's, what it's funny you were there. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's hollowed ground, you know, it's like where the sport started, but it's so funny to me. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, it's just like, my friend's like family's
0: property, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. So. Yeah. I, I there's gotta be some kind of conspiracy Tommy. me. They're keeping you out. <laughs> there's a reason you yeah. did something. <laughs> you did I something just, at that I, first workout and they've never forgotten. <laughs> nice long con. I like it. So uh, you were saying, Sean, how did you, you, so you found it for a friend as well.
1: I found it through a friend and coworker. I was working in Jacksonville, Florida at the time, Southeastern part of the United States. Um, And I was, I had been working out a good portion of my life. And and what I mean by working out, it's it's what most people would think is working out. Um, And I was just sort of looking for something new. Didn't know what it was, but I, I was just kind of tired of doing the same old thing. And the guy, well, guy I worked with, his wife was a personal trainer, still is, at sort of an independent fitness studio in Jacksonville. And he was telling me that well, first he's, he goes, why don't you make an appointment with Melissa? She could probably help you out. I said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And then he started telling me about some of the stuff she was incorporating this thing called CrossFit. And I go, what? what's that? And he said, well, it's a workout regimen, but you get your workout off a website, you go to the website and they have the workout and then you do that. And it's like kettlebells and, and uh, Olympic weightlifting and plyometrics. And I go, okay, well, that sounds cool. And then I looked into it. I kind of, I went, remember going to the website. I said, well, this doesn't, That doesn't look like a whole lot it was something maybe like day workout of the day was i don't know five sets of of one back squat or something It's like that that, why that doesn't seem like a workout at all but i agreed to try it so i went in i made an appointment with his his wife uh for personal training and she introduced me to some of the stuff and you know kind of worked on i'd never really been shown how to squat properly so this was all new to me despite the fact i've been working out for so long and playing sports and Tommy to kind of do a rudimentary kipping pull up. And I think that it was either the first or second day, it may have been the first day, I think the first day with my first workout was I was just going to do for time 10 rounds of Cindy, and it almost killed me. And from that point on, I was, I was, I was hooked, just like Tommy said, it was like, why well, have never been tuned up like that in the gym. I want to get better at this. Because I'm not I am competitive, but I'm more with this, it was more like, I just want to get as good at this as I possibly can because this is this is the real deal. And it was from there it was history. You know, I started working out with with friends, found it, found
0: a gym, gym started popping up and that's how uh, yeah, that's how it went. It is amazing the the number of times like that's the sentiment, right? Oh, I I went yeah. there, it destroyed me so I had to go back. And, yeah, and, exactly. Like one of our previous coaches, Lydia, still a member, but not, not a coach anymore. Sorry, Lydia. Uh, she, her, when she was on the podcast, she was saying, like she went and tried it, I think in Amsterdam, uh, was her first sort of trial of CrossFit, destroyed her. And she was like, I'm never going back to this. That's it. This is done. And when she moved to Bath was when she was kind of, oh, there's one here. You should give it a go. Try it, try it. And sort of the second time round it worked but 90 percent of the people i've spoken to it's that same sentiment of i thought i was fit <laughs> i mm-hmm. went to crossfit and realized i wasn't nearly fit enough but i actually think that's a good thing that everybody feels that way right because it means if you you know someone's saying i thought i was fit i went i wasn't fit enough so also somebody says, well i don't think i'm fit can i start crossfit You're like yeah because everybody who goes there realizes they're not really fit enough to do this it you're just going to start from a slightly different point to somebody who thinks they are really fit and it's funny because i think that you can point to so there's so
2: many times in your in life where you think you have something figured out and you get like a harsh reality check and it's a a serious point of growth and it's funny that like you know before in fitness there wasn't a ton of ton of that you know it's like bodybuilding you go for a run or something like that um it's you know how many times have you, if you reflected back on some of your viewpoints and beliefs as like a teenager or a young adult, and you're like, man, I'm an idiot. (laughs) And, and it's, it's it's one of those same things. It's like, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a good, like, it's a good way of building character for people. You know, it's like getting those reality checks and it's, and then realizing that you're capable, there's something there that's so much more available to you and that you, you through time and hard work, whatever it may be, that you can actually build that and i think the the next level of crossfit the next generation of crossfit has been how can we provide that lesson in a multitude of ways on top of the i'm i got my i got my i got my butt kicked and a harsh reality check and now i think there's like multiple paths for the people that are competitive i get my butt kicked and i'm like how do i how do i fix that and for the people that are intimidated there's a, 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 maybe a, a softer or more uh, a more delicate approach to those people to bring them into the fold and help them discover that on their own so that's where i think crossfit has grown a ton
0: i, I think that's always the uh, we've said many times uh, talking different ones on the podcast like when you go to to check out a new box or for the first time you, you kind of walk in and you see a class going on and your eye is instantly drawn to the kind of the best athletes right so it's all oh, look that one knocking out multiple uh, muscle-ups unbroken and that one's doing their hands push-ups and but what you don't look at are the people around them that are doing the scaled version of that movement. Uh, so you can kind of come in and see that and just think, ah, oh, it's, it's too much for me. I can't do this, but actually take a second look because <laughs> most of us are dying on the floor. Anyway, you're fine. You, <laughs> yeah. You'll be okay. My wife's just gone back after a two year break. Um, and she was so like nervous about going and she's saying similar things. i like, ah, oh, you know, Maybe I'm not fit enough to go back to CrossFit. Perhaps I should have started running or something again before. I was like, you go to CrossFit to get fit. Don't worry about it. They'll they'll help you. But, you know, it's not easy. I, I felt really guilty because we started CrossFit together uh, quite a few years ago. And and then when uh, we had our, our son already, he was a bit older. And then when she got pregnant and we were having our daughter, uh, she, she had to stop. But I kept going. <laughs> so I was like, so sorry. Yeah. And you know t- yeah. <laughs> two years later i'm like you can go back now if you want it's fine yeah. so this is how you got into crossfit uh but then you guys really went all in right um so i i kind of intrigued again how sort of how that happened or, or even why you allowed that to happen because i i guess you must have seen something there in order to kind of pursue it in the ways that you did
2: yeah yeah i mean uh my 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 career before that was in mental health services so uh working in a clinic um working with school-aged children primarily um in like lower socioeconomic status in my in my hometown so i that's it's not glamorous work but it's very rewarding work and it's for me that was the the factor that the reason why i wanted to do it because i wanted to directly help and impact people in my in my community um where i grew up and and in in a in an area that i thought needed a lot of work and some politics got involved in that area field for me that were kind of making me a little bit disillusioned and at the time crossfit was my my personal form of like mental health and escape to be able to cope with a lot of that and so as I got more involved in CrossFit, and I got my level one, and I started training some people after, you know, before, uh, before and after work at the at the ranch, I realized that the benefits and, and the productivity and helping people that I was seeing through mental health was also happening at the the CrossFit box. And I was I, I, and just looking in the mirror was proof of that. And so I had an opportunity to step away from mental health services. And there was a cha- it just happened to coincide with, there was an opportunity to open up a box uh, tied to the ranch in my hometown. And you know, it could be, you know, myself and my business partners own place, we have our own gym, and and spread that bring that CrossFit to my hometown for the first time, there wasn't any gyms there before. And so it was like another way of helping people just through a different door. So I, I saw that and I was like, this makes me a lot happier right now. And I know I can go back to mental health services. I want to. So I want to pursue this and give it a, give it a go. It's kind of scary, you know, cause you're starting at ground zero again. But at that time, honestly, I was just like, you know what, this, there's something about this that is really meaningful to me. So I'm, I'm going to take a go at it. And we ran that affiliate for a little while. And through that, I got to meet some people at headquarters and ultimately got the opportunity to joined the media team, at like, just like, you know, entry-level production assistant. And I was like, okay, well, I'm helping people through CrossFit in my immediate community. This is an opportunity to expand that ring of influence. And, you know, I was kind of in the same boat again. Like, you know, I'm kind of starting from zero here. But each time, the the scope is, is something that is, in my opinion, an improvement. So um, it was kind of a no-brainer for me.
0: What's really interesting, I mean, there is. I think if somebody, if I mention your name to somebody, at, you know, in the sphere of CrossFit, they're going to immediately associate you with the sport, right? CrossFit, the sport, because that's sort of how they know you. And there, there does seem quite often to be this like divide, right? It's Like the sport, the health. There never shall the two meet. But actually, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that they are so intertwined, you cannot separate one from the other. And what's mm-hmm. interesting is, like, you're saying, oh, how did I get into CrossFit? You know, a, f- a friend introduced me because his cousin had lost 100 pounds. Uh, then I did this because I saw that people were benefiting with their mental health and their physical health. And I was it was my stress. Relief. So actually, it was all the health side of things that kind of got you into it. And even with your your move to to the kind of the, the sport and the production, it was still like, well, here's another avenue for me to expand my reach. For for the health side of things, I was wondering where the story was going to go initially when you said you know you worked with people with mental health issues and children, so mm-hmm. obviously that was a, like a, a perfect fit to work with Crossfitters. It's like okay, this is interesting, but uh, no, it was a it was a much more altruistic story than that. So really nice. Uh, yeah, and, and w- uh, just to kind of touch on one of the points there, like people
2: look at the the games athletes, right? They're really pushing the boundaries of what fitness can look like. Right, But one of the things that I think gets lost and something we can do a better job of is right, if you understand how CrossFit teaches fitness and what is fitness as a hedge against sickness, that every time the the games athletes expand the boundaries of what's possible fitness-wise, they're also expanding the scope for the rest of the community to be able to build a bigger hedge against sickness as a result by CrossFit's own definition. So when you look at Matt Fraser and Tia Tumi, they're like, oh my gosh. This is possible in fitness. All right. Well, if that if that line of the community moves with it, then we're expanding just how much we can protect ourselves against the illnesses and chronic disease and sicknesses that plague our society. In that same vein, right? They're moving the ball forward for us. Um, You know, granted, there's a degree of separation, but still, it's expanding those horizons for everyone across the board. And and it's not as simple as like they're a different breed than us, you know. And go back to the very very definition of CrossFit is like the needs of the Olympic athlete and the pro athlete and the everyday, you know, mom and dad don't do vary by type, just degree, And, and so th- that right there is the natural relationship, in my opinion, between the health side of things and the sport side of things, because they support each other.
0: Yeah, I, I always like to think of it as sort of uh, the, the games and, and the athlete is like the ultimate expression of what can be achieved in this methodology. Uh, but you know, yeah, it, it, and it's kind of like painting, right? Like you can you can be an artist, you can paint. Here's a, a great artist. This is kind of the ultimate expression of that ability. But it doesn't mean you can't also do something similar, even if it's not to the same degree. As someone yeah. who is not very talented at both drawing, painting, or CrossFit, I you know, <laughs> definitely feel feel I know that on a, on a personal, deep level. There, um, Sean, how then did you? you get involved with, uh, with working for, for CrossFit. And then, I mean, I know now you guys are kind of working with CrossFit a lot, yeah. not so much for uh, C- CrossFit. That's a, <laughs> that's a topic for another day, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: it was, it was one of those sort of right place, right time, or, you know, wrong place, right time, depending on how you want to look, want to look at it. But I had, so in 2010, I had moved from Florida back home to California. And I, I had, when I was, I was in Florida for about 12 years and I was, I worked at a couple different TV stations as a local sports anchor and I loved it. And in 2008, when the economy tanked, uh, my station chose not to renew my contract. And I knew that I, because I was, I had been there a while. I was making more money than they wanted to pay that position. And I was kind of like, the writing was on the wall and I, I got into advertising and PR and then an opportunity uh, arose to where I could move back home. Cause I wanted to be closer to my parents. They were getting older. My dad was having some health issues. So I wanted to be, be there to help out with that. But the whole, the, the thought of getting back into broadcasting wasn't appealing to me just from a traditional standpoint, because the way the business was going was just not something I wanted to be involved in. But I was hoping that I could get in, get back into it somehow. Cause it really was my passion. And in 2011, when I was still working in PR and marketing, I went to the CrossFit Games as a fan. And I remember I took a picture with Miko Salo. Like, that was pretty cool. He's the first athlete I ever met. And uh, I actually met Bill Grundler uh, because a guy I was there with uh, went to Bill's gym and Bill was on the media team. So I got to meet Bill in 2011. That was kind of weird. But I remember, I think it was before the Killer Cage event in 2011, going into the tennis stadium and seeing all the cameras and I saw Miranda and Rory on the floor and they had ESPN mics. And I immediately, you know, kind of, my eyes got big and I started looking around I went, I went, wait, what's hold on. This is, this is on TV. They're actually covering this. I got to find a way to get involved in this because I, I've, at the time I'd had uh, 14, 15 years of, you know, broadcast experience, you know, knew how to do it, but I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to get involved. So I remember going back home after the games in August of 2011 uh, fired off a random email to media at CrossFit.com, told them who I was, told him my background, been doing CrossFit since 2007. Uh, Love to get involved and then didn't hear anything. February 2012 rolls around. The gym I was working at in my hometown, working out at it in my hometown in Sacramento, uh, They, the owner of the gym came to me and said, hey, do you want to go get, get your level one? I'll pay for half of it and then you can just coach. And I went, sweet, I'm in. So I went to Reno, Nevada in 2012 to get my level one. And Pat Sherwood, who was at the time doing a lot of media stuff, was one of the instructors. And at one of the breaks, I worked up the courage to go talk to him and ask him, you know, how do I get involved? Because at this point, I was like, if I don't say anything, I'm going to be ticked at myself. If I do, the worst thing he's going to say is like, I can't help. And to his credit, he listened to me. He said, send me your info and I'll pass it on. And he actually did. Um, I thought at the time he maybe was kind of just blowing me off, but he wasn't. And I, to this day, owe him for that. So again, I didn't really, I, I did, I got home, sent him an email, gave him all my info, didn't hear anything. And then a couple months later, this was right before the regional. So the regionals in, were like in May, right? They started in May. Mm-hmm. I was sitting at my desk at work and my cell phone rings. And it's a number that I don't recognize. I think it was from Las Vegas, actually. And I picked it up because I thought it might be a client or something. And it was Rory McKernan. And so like my heart immediately starts racing. Uh, He asked me, hey, is this a good time to talk? I went, sure. As I'm bolting out like the side door of my office to go outside to take this call in private. And he tells me that, hey, uh, we're putting together a team to go and do the Central East Regional for ESPN3. And you've been on our radar for a while. I got your email back in August. Uh, Just haven't had a chance to reach out to you but we're interested, we were wondering if you, you know, would like to help. And I was like, hell yeah, I wanna do this. And yes, yes, absolutely. Like not even thinking how am I gonna make this happen, but yes, I'll do it. Uh, and they they said, yeah, we, you know, we're looking for someone to do play by play for the women's competition. Do you have any experience? And I had a little at the time. I go, sure, yep, I'll do it. And that's how it started. And so I went and I went and did uh, the Central East Regional and I was at the time, you know, they had a bunch of people on the broadcast team. We had like an army of, of uh, on-camera talent but none of them had any experience. So I was the only guy there who had like a foot in the CrossFit world and a foot in the broadcast world and knew kind of how everything worked. So that, you know, immediately sort of put me ahead and, uh, they liked what I did. They asked me to do the games in 2012 and I was, you know, I helped out with regionals the rest of the, the time I helped out with, you know, I did the games. I still wasn't working for them full time. Uh, but then 2013 rolled around and they, and they hired me full time. So
0: that's, that was a long story on how that happened. And the names that got dropped in that story as well.
2: <laughs> just to be clear, Sean's not alone. And there's plenty of other people who have gotten a phone call from yes. Roy McKernan and have had their hearts start racing. That's, that's a pretty common occurrence.
0: <laughs> it's a, also an interesting statement isn't it? that, you know, you've been on our radar for some time. We've not given you any indication of this. Yes. <laughs> But uh, so if if someone sitting listening to this thinking you know I've reached out to CrossFit how come I haven't heard of it you? you might be on the radar maybe you are just yeah. tell tell yourself you are <laughs> and who knows it's one the most day most CrossFit thing ever yeah, too. absolutely
1: yeah. <laughs> last minute
0: and I mean you know we, we will brush over the um the mass exodus of people from CrossFit but <laughs> like when that happened you know you you said Tommy, that you kind of always had your the you know, the work you'd done before and and that in your back pocket, that that's something you could always go back to. But you didn't do that. You kind of really put, you know, your eggs in one basket of, okay, we still, you know, we still care about CrossFit and we want to do this thing and we're going to kind of strike out on our own. Uh, And you're not alone in doing that. There were, you know, multiple different kind of things that came out from this. And I guess the question is, why? Like if I, I could imagine someone being like, well, I, you know, I did this for a long time, I'm not necessarily happy with the way I was treated at the end. I'm just going to go do something else, like, you know, cleanse the palate a little bit, but the decision to keep going, there must've been something there that meant, Oh, I, I can't let it go that easily. Yeah.
2: You know, it's, it's funny because I think at the time we got laid off, I felt all of us kind of felt like we were right on the doorstep of what we really wanted to accomplish and some of the things that we wanted to do. And, uh, heights that we wanted to reach as a media team that we've been working towards to a, a long time. And so I think we are close enough to where we got a sense of like, yes, that's possible. And we're right there. And even though we had to take we take some considerable steps back, we're like, there's still some unfinished business and it's possible to get to that point. So it's almost like, you know, um, <laughs> it's like growing up as a kid, like you, you, you walk by, a, you know, for me, it was a skateboard shop, right? And you see a skateboard in the window that you really want and you can see it through the window and you got your face pressed up against the glass, but you just don't have the money to get it yet. You're like, okay, it's there. I see it. It's physically tangible. And now I just got to go figure out how I can go get that. So, you know, as a kid, you, maybe you go work, you cut lawns or, you know, you sell lemonade or whatever it may be just so you can get that. But seeing that end result and seeing that goal so close is what makes it tangible and real and ultimately will motivate you to try and get that, and so for us, we're just like all right we we had we gotten really close, and we're really passionate about this and we love we love the work that we do, even if it's gonna take some shifting and some molding, and you know we gotta lick our wounds a little bit. it's something we still want to try and shoot for because we know it's possible um and we and we and and it's real now, so I we, it's not to say that there wasn't any moments of doubt in terms of like, sh- should I switch? You know, I I, I considered that, that. You know, there was a, a probably a week there where I considered maybe going back to school, and you know, or maybe making a a, a career switch of some sort out of the CrossFit space. But um, you know, I always came back to it's funny because it was very similar to how when I made my first career switch. At the end of the day, the Each day, the thing I was looking forward to most was going into the gym and training and going into the affiliate and spending time working on myself, seeing people at the box and just letting that be my happy place. And I'm like, if 10 years, 11 years later, this is still the case, then this isn't something that I can just let go, like just because, you know, someone that, you know, maybe that I don't hold in high esteem, decided that they didn't value my work, that's not going to deter me at this point.
0: And I, and I guess building on that, you can say maybe they didn't value my work, but other people do. And so, you know, putting out something independently like you did, and then the response you got to that, that's, you know, it's a nice indication that, okay, actually, yeah, people do value what we do, even if certain people don't Think they do if that I, I if think that it makes been, sense yeah it yeah, would, yeah
1: it would have been one thing if when we were at hq and the sport wasn't working and you know, we weren't getting any any info from or any interest from uh broadcast partners and fans weren't showing up it would have been it would have been one thing if like look this just isn't working you know we it's it's not it doesn't have legs we need to go find something else but that was completely and totally not the case and and as tommy said after 2018 we had like we got the skateboard you know, we had it in our hands and we were ready to go ride and we were ready you know and then it got ripped out of the, our hands and you know there, there are two reasons two things for me Is like the first was i didn't want to go out like that we didn't get to end on our terms. we didn't get to walk you know step away the way we wanted to, to, to do it because my plan was when i when i started working across it i told you know i told tony budding buddy who hired me i said i don't want another job like i'm done bouncing around i've done that for a good per- portion of my life so I, my plan was this is it. You know, I'm gonna ride this thing until I retire. So there was that not being able to go out on your own terms, knowing that there was still something out there. You know, there were people who were still interested in making the sport work. And then the, the climate at the time after that happened was it the talk was is that someone was gonna pick this thing up and run with it. So part of our motivation, at least for me, was let's stay relevant. So when that does happen, we're ready to we're ready to jump back in. But you yeah, know, yeah, like Tommy, I went through the whole thing about, well, I guess I could try to get back into TV. I don't want to do it, but I, you know, I have the skills I might be able to find a job or I, you know, maybe I can go to the fire Academy. I'm a little old, but I can still, I'm still in good shape. I can do it. They, they might take me. And I talked to some people about that. And, you know, my wife said to me, she's like, take some time and make this, you know, try to make the same work with Tommy. And the, you know, the two people who are most responsible for me being here right now in this position are Tommy and my wife. Tommy, mean, in that, you know, he kept pushing this and wanted to do it and was, force behind that and then my wife who said to me I, you know, i'll never forget she goes i don't want you to go get a job we're going to be miserable she said we're going to be okay take your time and see if you can make this work because you're going to regret it if you don't I went, yeah okay and to have that support was pretty cool
0: now i i know that you're quite big wrestling fans and <laughs> and i've got to tell you that when you're saying you know we had unfinished business we're not going out like this we weren't going out like- yeah. i mean it just there's just the ring there right of- yeah Yep. We're definitely cutting the promo.
1: Well. We are. Listen here, Greg Glassman. <laughs> <laughs> you may have got the best of us in
2: 2018. Yeah. That's yeah. good. We can oh, go
0: yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, we've got the clip ready for this week's episode. Yep. That's great. <laughs> now, there were a lot of changes, and I would be remiss if I don't bring up the regionals versus sanctionals argument. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> now, now that we're friends, I feel like. I can <laughs> take an opposed viewpoint to you. Um okay. No, what, what it is, is obviously, I, I feel like, well, to be honest, on your last couple of episodes, I feel like your, your view on sanctionals has softened greatly. Like when you speak about your experience at the Filthy 150 and you kind of talk, I, I guess this year's, or, or what we got of this year's sanctionals uh, was obviously a, a step up from the first year where people were kind of trying to, to figure things out uh, so that's that's one one side of it one side of it but I definitely feel like because of who who you are and who you know uh, so you know all the people kind of in the media side of things and you know the athletes and you you're looking at it very much like how is this going to affect the athletes that they're traveling here or doing this or it's all that kind of side of things whereas I feel on my side of the fence where it's like local box just your kind of you know a number of the members have never heard of the crossfit games they didn't know that there was also this kind of competitive side of it maybe they've seen some local competitions have gone on but it's a very different sort of viewpoint uh, and i think for your entry level crossfit viewer the sanctionals works better than regionals and i'm willing to defend myself on this if you have questions but i think the so- I okay. definitely have thoughts on that. I have thoughts on <laughs> yes. that too. Um, I think to start, if
2: depends on what you mean by better. If you're talking about the quality of the product across the board, as far as presentation and media production, then unequivocally, And I said that very poorly. Um, sanctionals were not better than regionals, just just from a production standpoint. I mean, and if you're talking about, and this is where I think then this is where. As traditional sport fans, we kind of lean heavily on that, is if if you're all signs pointed based on registration in the open, that a larger part of the community were becoming involved in the sport, at least on the periphery, they can acknowledge exists. And so when you're trying to get people into the sport and you're starting to getting the entry level, there's a few things that I think are paramount in towards not just getting them involved, but keeping them involved. And that's that's like clear under sport and how it operates a um, quality, the quality across the board, not just in one instance or two instances or a handful of instances, the quality across the board in the message that's presented. And there being a common thread that unifies all of those different outlets in that message. Now I'm not saying that sanctionals can't accomplish that because I do think they can. And I think we're heading towards something that could ultimately, but I think, the first year to two years, it was not doing that. There was a lot of other good things that they were doing, but I think that um, the quality control across the board was so scattered and so varied. Um, no, no one's, and I won't deny that every every event that I went to, I had a blast at, you know. But for the most part, if if we're we're trying to create this global community, and the quality of product doesn't keep me engaged if I'm at home watching that event, then then we're really just servicing our own little silos, right? You know, and, and cer- certain events like Strength and Depth are a great a great uh, outlier to that because they had a good media production, they had a good broadcast a good competition. Um, you know, Ollie and the and the team, they, they've been doing events for, for, you know, year round for a long time. So that's a little bit different situation for them, but they're bringing more to the table than other people are, right? So how, how do you
0: how do you judge all of them on the on the same scale yeah i su- i suppose my i don't want to say argument but my thought process is more in the concept of mm-hmm. sanctionals versus regionals m- more so than the execution and and the execution side of things i think is is also down to uh, and, and uh, don't get me wrong way too many sanctions <laughs> like i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that it was totally. executed perfectly but i definitely think yeah. the um the concept was something uh, and okay so like the finished project project finished product no doubt regionals was was excellent right i guess for for me thinking of like entry-level person coming to watch crossfit they watch the first weekend amazing like super exciting so good to see all these athletes throwing down so when they tune in next week oh they're doing the same thing again right and it's like well yeah it's different people but it's the same workouts but it's a different region so uh, and then by the third week it's kind of like uh yeah i've I've already seen these events twice i i don't really need to see them again versus like the sanctionals that are different every time and and have that local flavor because you can do a desert run or you can do uh you know the on on water rowing or, or whatever um, and that's that's one thing and the only other <laughs> the only other thing that i just thought got highlighted quite nicely this year um, and it was actually a, a, somebody else's sort of said it to me. But I think especially like Strength and Depth is obviously something very special to CrossFit Bath and then the UK community in general and, and those around. Uh, and I think if you took the thousands of people that Strength and Depth means something to and they wanted to see Matt Fraser and Rich Froning throw down and we had to fly them <laughs> like to the games and they all had to get tickets to- it's just impossible, right? They're never going to get to see Fraser Froning or these mm. big names yet. They got to see that in London. And that's just something I think, you know, speaking to to many people, there's less like something they will never forget in their kind of CrossFit. I was going to say career. That's not the right word. Their involvement <laughs> in doing CrossFit, you know? Uh, and I, and I do think that's a, a nice thing. It might change. I, I definitely don't think it was perfect. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I, I do think the, the concept had legs, um, yeah, I, I yeah. like regionals I think, as well. I'm not anti regionals, but <laughs> I
1: think there's like, there's a lot of the where I think regionals got things right is that it was working in a system that you could easily explain to someone who didn't know a lot about the sport. So you could explain that. And I do like the fact. Uh, again be, because the games are, are about crowning the fittest on earth and when you go to the level one they talk about administering a variety of different tests to a variety of different people and whoever p- performs the best across those tests uh, is going to be your fittest person and the open regionals games model mirrored that so you had everybody answering the same questions throughout the test and that's why I, I am still in favor of standardized programming throughout whatever the qualifying uh, system is going to be and I, and and so I think regionals did that really well, and they did the media really well. And they did that. Everything was laid out the same really well. And I like the fact that I could tune in one week and watch one group and then the next week, Oh man, Fraser's going to do this event. I wonder if he's going to beat that time. I thought that was cool where I think sanctionals got it right. I was, I was never against the events themselves. I was against the system in which they were working because it was just a mess and it was hard to explain that, uh, that season to a non-fan to where, and I've used this uh, analogy before. If you don't know anything about, you know, major league baseball, national basketball association, the NFL, NHL, I can pretty easily explain those seasons to you and how they work. Couldn't do that with CrossFit, but where the sanctionals got it right is they put on these great events that also involve the local community. And I hope that whatever model we get combines the, uh, I don't want to say ease of access, but the ability to understand the system that the regionals brought with the sort of unique flavor that the sanction events brought as well, where the sanction events can, that are part of this qualification, have to have some. And I, I don't know if it's, I would like it to be standardized. Everybody should do the same tests going to the games. But at the same time, they can run local competitions like filthy 150 did where they had I think every box in Ireland took place they need that because that allows someone who knows nothing about the sport to go and watch one of these events and not only watch but maybe be involved at the same time and compete on the same floor as these other athletes so there are there were things that were good about both and I hope that we are able to combine them in the new system and and Fingers crossed, I think that's where we're headed.
2: Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly on on that point. And just to touch on a couple of things that you brought up, one, the the whole concept of like bringing in fresh programming and having something different week to week. While that's great in theory, it has at no point was that ever reflected in as a success in both the viewership and turnout, the sanctionals compared to regionals. As a, f- a matter of fact, we actually saw upticks from week to week through regional competitions, as we got more data points and people could actually cross compare against regions, So that, that was a big thing. I do think there's something there with incorporating new people and new flares programming wise. I've written articles about that, but I think the way that it was incorporated, what doesn't necessarily hold up as well. If if you're going to tell me that I'm going to have, I'm going to have a ton of people adding their own flair to programming, but there's going to be no guidance in creating a standardized test of fitness with, while still including those versus standardized programming and we can cross compare and tell stories for us on the media side, having the same programming week to week is phenomenal for storytelling. And that's why you saw people turn out in droves, uh, during the live streams and interactions and things like that, because people knew what they were getting. They could rely on it. And as a result, the storytelling got really good and people could create, we could create education right because they saw hey Ben Smith went last week and did this so when I'm watching Matt Fraser smash this time I've got a frame of reference for it right like you know if you know what I'm a Liverpool fan so uh you know Liverpool was chasing down record books last year in the Premier League and you know why is that important because we have years of of watching the same game being played that has set us up to understand the greatness that we're witnessing now so that's that's I would push back a little bit on that, but I do think, like Sean said, there's going to be a happy medium because I do think I think sanctional's biggest impact on the sport is pulling people outside of their comfort zone to open up the the wideness of what's possible and bringing more people into the fold. And I think that's phenomenal. And I think there's going to be a a, a good uh, a a good a good blend between the two, a good marriage between the two. The 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 one thing though, it just has to be executed correctly. Because, you know, the is going to be lined with good concepts that were executed poorly, right? million dollar never, you know, never left the harbor because you couldn't execute on it. And um, I think that after the last couple of years, you know, we have kind of learned, hey, there's some really, like, I'll, again, I'll, I'll, I'll praise strength and depth for how good of an event they ran. Everything I've heard from anyone that's been there, great and what that does is that sets a standard for other events to run. You know, there's a handful of events that done, uh, did that. It also creates trust in people outside of HQ's direct line, uh, trust in in being able to hand to some of those people to run those events, while and still maintaining a certain level of quality control across the board. One of the things is like strength and depth had a test across multiple days, right? But can, you, can they reasonably say, and if we're talking about CrossFit's definition of fitness and finding the fittest, can we say the person that won strength and depth was filtered in the same way that the person who won some event that only had five events total? Can we say that they both did
0: the same work to get there? So f- firstly, I'm just going to say that honestly, this is not a big deal for me. But yeah, because yeah. I because I've spoken out about it to other people, I just don't want yeah. someone to say, "Oh, yeah." But when you had Sean and Tommy on, you were too scared to say it to their faces, weren't you? So <laughs> oh, no, I'm yeah. putting it out there. Um, I respect it, by absolutely. the way. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with everything you said uh, across, but and as I said, I think it's much more the concept than the execution. And there were things that I would definitely say, okay, this is, and I I had issues with certain programming of certain events, and and we talked, you know, someone was saying about like changing movement standards, and I was like, yeah, if it if it if it's good, a good change, then that makes sense. But if it's just to add a, you know, oh, it's a bit more difficult. And it's like, yeah, but there's a risk of injury. There's people that haven't practiced doing it this way. So why, you know, I get that sometimes you give people too much control and they just go mad. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. so that, that's okay. I do think as well, though, I guess it depends where the test begins a little bit, because I like to think that the test of fitness should begin at the games because uh, I guess... I guess I look at it a bit like somebody that takes a test at university or you know a or, or college or high school or something. People get there in different ways. Maybe somebody's had to really work to get there and they got got a scholarship and they could go. And somebody else, mum and dad just had the money and you know donated a library and I got in. But when you take that final test, it doesn't matter how you got there. That that test is what reveals. So like somebody who go, you know, I I'd like the feeling of somebody who went to a quote unquote weak sanctional, and yeah, you got your ticket to the games. And you came last. So that, that tells you that, you know, the test kind of your points previously on other episodes about whether or not the test, the final test is fair. If you don't get to take all the questions. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean with that. So I get that, that, that's another, yeah. that's another yeah. discussion, but yeah, I, I, I just, I just think that the test of fit, I think, I think the test of fitness
2: is a season long thing. Um, I, and that's where I think we, we might, we can agree to disagree. I, I think the test just begins sooner than that. And I think that in order to make what, what makes the test, more, especially in sport. And this is where I think sport and like, you know, school, I think in order to have the, to, to crown, the fittest, you need to have the fittest field. So you need, you need to cut your teeth against the absolute best of the sport. So that to me, that, that, that puts an onus on the test earlier in the season. The, uh, but one of the, that, one of the things I want to make clear is that, um, and we've talked about this a bunch on our show, is I th- I'm i not I'm not necessarily pro-regionals and anti-sanctionals. I like to actually try to poke holes in both because there are holes in regionals and there are holes in sanctionals because I think critically ev- evaluating both sides allows us to find that blend between the two and be like, I don't like this, I don't like that. And I think nowadays we get up and it's like, we're team regionals. It's like, oh, we're team sanctionals. It's like, how about we be team... CrossFit games and find out what's the best possible path for Mm -hmm. both situations, you know, like how can we create opportunities for everybody while still keeping the sanctity of the test that we had before, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree. All good points. Uh, I I guess as well, when I said about kind of viewership, uh, I'm thinking, I I was actually thinking more Again, it, it makes no sense because I'm thinking of the future as opposed to the past. But I'm thinking, you know, like uh, Eric Rose has talked about wanting to be, you know, on the on TV, basically. Not that because yeah, somebody who is making the effort to go on YouTube or Facebook and find regionals, of course, they care. You know, they know who Ben Smith is, they know who Matt Fraser is, they know why it matters that this person did this event faster or slower or, or whatever. I'm I'm trying to think of your kind of casual viewer at home who's just flicking channels and comes across CrossFit. Uh, And they maybe they don't even do CrossFit, but they just see it and it's like, oh, I stick around and watch this. Uh, And perhaps they see it again next week and it's different events. And it's like, I might stick around and watch this again. How many times do they do that before they decide, you know what, I'm actually let me just see if there's a a local box near me or let me just see if you know, if I can get involved in doing this kind of thing, because I as I am pretty sure you guys are on the same page with me, I definitely believe and having spoken to many people that this did get them in seeing it and seeing what like those pros can accomplish does spur you on to think i'd like to give it yeah. a go I, i'm not going to be doing a you know handstand walk marathon but i can probably uh do something right and and so i'm all for as you said kind of not being one against the other but just just have yeah. the best product that brings people in anyway i i had to bring it up I, I couldn't no, handle no, the, the, the pressure that I was feeling if I didn't mention it. <laughs> we, yeah.
2: You can go yeah. back to, to, your, to, the, to the box,
0: head held yes. high, chest,
2: chest puffed up because you know what, you, you did it.
0: Well, I know, uh, Tommy, you've been on um, Tom's podcast, Chalking Fitness. Yep. And uh, so we've spoken many a times, me and him, about regionals and sanctionals. And and, and so I was I was expecting a message from him if i didn't say anything <laughs> ah well i'm curious I'm, cu- I'm curious uh how many times how many
2: people do you think have decided that they ultimately didn't like football because the pitch size and goal size didn't change week to week
0: i mean that's a, you see that's a great a great question isn't it but i guess the game changes doesn't it it's the concept. i guess that's more the, a game the, the, is- the, rule, the,
2: rule, the rules no, don't change
0: the rules don't change but when you watch it i I, so i guess my point would be if you watched like the exact play they play every week and it's like Mm. yeah he kicked the ball a bit harder and maybe they accomplish that play a a bit faster whereas i guess with any kind of sport in you know especially when it's like a team sport there's when you're watching it it's you know they talk of the beautiful game right it's it's what they're doing on the field and you know how they you know and and you can watch one match and it finishes I don't know if it's you know english football like 3-0 another one is uh, you know a 1-1 a, a draw and it's just like it's always different but the same yeah. but i guess regionals it's, i mean as the i said regional. yeah as i said i think but i'm very much thinking of your super novice right like i know nothing about crossfit and i'm just anyway it it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, I, it, one of the, one of the things that I always, I always try to
2: think about because I, I enjoyed talking this out as kind of like a thought experiment, you know, um, is I think one of the biggest drivers of casual fandom is uh, like talking with your mates, talking with your buddies, right. Is how many times do you want to be like, if you're watching a game and be, be able to be the guy that like, Oh yeah, I know this guy or I know this guy or I know something about this. Right. And I think in in CrossFit, because there's so many different moving parts, you know, in each workout, I think one of the reasons why we saw it be able to be, I think one of the reasons why networks wanted it back when we were doing regionals is because of that reliability of what they were going to see each week, they knew that these were the tests we were going to see, we could build that storyline. And I think from a casual fan, someone that is maybe kind of curious, and they see it on one week. And they come back the next week with their family, and they're they're curious. They're like, "Oh yeah, I saw this event last week. This one guy did this. He has the record. This other guy is going to try and beat it. Like, and last time he failed on this on this this rope climb, and it's coming up again. You know, it's like it's like uh you know it's like the fourth quarter. you know the final or the final stoppage time. You know, when you know it's coming every time, you can actually plan and get hyped up." and build a story behind it so i that that's that's mm-hmm. the kind of like one of the things that i try to think about like how is someone in a bar going to make themselves look better to their buddies because <laughs> that's really all we want yeah, right see point.
0: i've never approached it from that angle so that's really interesting <laughs> it's just, the, the kind of bragging rights and sort of the know-it-all yeah. side of things yeah i'd never i'd never thought about that well i am truly humbled <laughs> so, that's, so final thing then because uh this is you know I, i've dragged you away for far too long although it's morning where you are right so it's yeah so it's, yeah, it's, it's no me no that is eating into my evening and i should probably yeah. <laughs> get to, I should probably see my family but you know okay um <laughs> so we, we you, you know you've t- we've talked about maybe this kind of uh, marrying the two of, of regionals and sanctionals together and, and coming up with a, a better product and you've had the opportunity to speak with dave castro and speak with uh, eric rosa more importantly i suppose about the future of crossfit in general uh as as we've said, like the sport and the health, it's it's all intertwined. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about CrossFit going forward? Like, what, what is your, your kind of feelings and emotions at the moment about the future of CrossFit? I am really optimistic. I think that
1: I you know I am. I was thinking. It's funny. I was thinking about this this morning about how I feel like we've just been in one giant waiting game for like the past two years plus, mm-hmm. and. I am, I'm frustrated, but it's not fair for me to be frustrated. I'm frustrated that we don't have all the answers right now, but I understand why. So it's not fair for me to be frustrated by that, but I am extremely optimistic. When I remove the emotion from it, when I move the, remove the last two years of what we've been through with all the changes and, and everything that's happened, I am extremely optimistic that Eric Rosa and his team is going to take this entire thing, not just the games, but CrossFit in general to new heights, uh, that they are going to truly do a fantastic job of promoting it and getting in front of people as the world's best pathway towards health, happiness, and performance. I think that he has surrounded himself with good people who are going to help him execute that. And just the, the limited dealings that Tommy and I have had with not only him, but the people around him have been, they couldn't be more different than what we were used to. And I think the good thing, the sense that I get from Eric, and and this might be the most important thing is that I feel like he genuinely cares. Obviously, this is a business, he needs to make money, he needs to run it as a business, he has investors he needs to deal with. But I don't think the bottom line is going to be his only motivation, I think he is going to really look at doing the right things for the right reasons. And if that maybe takes a little longer to bear fruit. I think he's gonna be okay with that. I think he's uh he understands, like we've been saying, that the health and the sport and everything can work together and he's going to do a good job of synergizing that met those messages. But I think there are a ton of reasons to be optimistic. We just, like I said, we haven't they haven't started unwrapping the present yet. You know, they're still wrapping everything. And I think that once they once we get into hey, this is how the season's gonna look, Then we're going to find out. Well, this is what the media is going to look like, and we've been told that we're going to have there's going to be great coverage, and this is going to be easily accessible to the fans. Uh, I think the open is going to go back to being what it was, and I think a lot of people will appreciate that. So there, I, I I am. I could be totally wrong, but I don't think I am. But I am. I'm really, and I'm generally not an optimistic person. I try to stay real and like (laughs) right down the middle. But I'm, I'm
2: really optimistic about this. Yeah, I'm generally more of an optimist. I'm more half full. I was raised by two, or kids of the '60s and '70s, and kind of hippies, you know. So we're 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 always pretty pretty bright sided. But um, f- interesting enough, one of the things that I I I think this is maybe something that was instilled in me by my parents. But any time a situation comes along, I try to go and like look at it and think, how can this be the coolest way- version of it possible? Like in what wake, like, even if it's a bad hand, like, even if it's like, oh, you know, maybe that this event isn't have all the bells and whistles, but how really cool, what's really cool about this? Like pick the one thing you like about it most. And in doing that, going around, I've I've been to, you know, probably 13 events and I, you know, this last year alone, I was, I traveled outside of the country seven times for events and. The one thing that I've done in trying, I've tried to do along this way is, as I talk and meet and experience new people and all these event owners, and and I'm like, I try to suss out what is it about them that makes me believe that they, in a very authentic manner, that they want the best for the community, and they want the best for CrossFit at all levels, affiliates, brands, athletes, the sport, right? And I and I and I, the the bright side of all of this is, I've met basically every almost every person I've met on the road has had that in their heart, you know? And, uh, and so it's been, it's in the past, it's been that sentiment has kind of been in a contrast to some of the people that I've, that were making some of the decisions and what I've gotten in our time, you know, I'm talking to you know, Castro and Rosa and his team is I got that same sense that I got out in the road with those people that above all else, you know, maybe that, the execution might take some fine tuning, but conceptually and in your heart, you want what's best top, top down, like from, you know, the the tip of the spear in the sport to the affiliates and stuff like that. I got that feeling again. And, you know, that's kind of hard to quantify sometimes. It you just, you just takes time sitting in a room with people. And to me, that is ultimately what will, I think, paint the full picture going forward is that we mean like we did, we didn't get things right on the podcast right away. <laughs> You know, like, you know, we had some, we had a ton of episodes where our audio is all over Mm -hmm. the place and stuff like that, but people trusted in us that we wanted to bring a good product. So they're patient. So I think the same thing goes for events. Ultimately, you know, not every event is going to be equal in the first year, but you know what, if your heart's in the right place, we'll be patient and, and help you get there. Same thing for this new administration, your heart's in the right place. We know you want what's best. So we're willing to be patient Despite all the craziness that's happened and I understand the people who don't want to be patient i fully get that but we're willing to be patient and and see it see it through and get get there that because because that, we're there getting there is that place we all want to be yeah.
0: Nice. And, and I think it's a wonderful sentiment to to finish the, the conversation on, uh, especially because, you know, uh, one of our coaches you you both know of, Alec Harwood, uh, and he'll be happy that I was able to speak to you guys for over an hour without letting you tell your story about him singing in China and, oh, Sean, in China, yeah. Sean's, <laughs> and Sean's favorite fun fact about Alec Harwood. So Absolutely. we're going to wrap up now <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> before it gets revealed. The fun fact. And if ask you want to know about what that is, it. ask, ask him about it. Yeah. Oh,
2: man. Hey, hey you know, it was the first time there's always a first for everything, you know, there's a first time, you know, you know, deadlifting 400 pounds or there's a first time getting to sing three Oasis songs in a row with, you know, your mates from the UK in a Chinese karaoke bar, you know, that, <laughs> those are all the same, you know,
0: it's all part of this crazy CrossFit world. And you managed to sneak it in there at the end. We'll see if it makes you <laughs> edit. <laughs> That's yep. the question. Okay. Well, thank you so much guys for, for joining us today. Thank you everybody for thank listening you. along and uh, hopefully you you enjoyed this and you Maybe learn something. Who knows? Yeah, it was a great time. Thank you. Okay. And uh, I, I guess I'll see you all again next week.